you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Aileen here, how are you all doing? I hope that you are looking after yourself, being kind to yourself and each other. Well it is our final three of our spooky season series and today's episode is written by Rowan Heggie, homebody and performed by Amelia Donker. This is an eerie, haunted, spooky tale set in a family home. For today's episode, oh, I would suggest maybe something fizzy, something dark. So, you know, you could start with a classic rum and coke, maybe even a Jack Daniels and coke, or you could just have the Coca-Cola, or you could maybe go, my favourite, dark red wine, but also maybe something with a little bit of crispness to it. Maybe uh, apple ties, it's quite crisp. Or, oh, a ginger beer, actually. That's definitely got the that kind of dark spice that you might want. Or, you know, you can always just have a good old cup of tea. Sit back, Homebody. relax and enjoy. As a child, I believed I was being chased through the woods. The sound of a blackbird tossing leaves would set me running. At the abrupt clattering of fat pigeons or the soft thud of a chick tumbling from its nest, I didn't think of birds but of older boys throwing stones, or of creatures crawling in the undergrowth, all teeth and no eyes, and I would run. Boys or the undead. I pasted ghost stories over the sounds of nature, as thousands of years of people and children had done before, running from shrieks in the air, or herbivores breathing loud in the dark. I would run and look behind me in the same way I switched quickly between films late at night on TV, switching over to avoid the Blair Witch, or the girl who climbed out of the well, flicking back and forth, and dancing with the hope that I might catch a glimpse of something terrible. At 31, my mum's offer of a cup of tea feels like too little, too late. I don't drink tea, she tuts. Neither you do. Dad walks into the house from the garage and shouts, Hello darling, scuffing down the hallway in his slippers, then drops himself onto the far end of the sofa. We sit together in the living room and I try to relax. Mum asks about work and about the resolution of September's workplace drama. When I last saw her, the subject was a cord pulled at 50,000 feet when the conversation began hurtling towards money, jobs, suggested careers. My distaste for a colleague's managerial boyfriend and a new hire who wore shiny trousers and never took the bins out. They were dropped as distraction, to make us giggle and feel giddy, to get us high and mimic the good spirits of people who don't talk about money or jobs. Mid-conversation, Dad looks up from his newspaper at me pointedly, gawks, opens his mouth wide and flashes two rows, bright blue teeth and a cobalt tongue like a balled-up dishcloth. He shuts his face fast and shields himself behind his paper. I shout, God! What the hell? And see his shoulders shudder. Mum's head swivels, what? What? Dad's teeth. He wheezes, laughing erupts and rattles the corners of newspaper pages. 
before he gets to his feet with a red face, eyes practically streaming. What? What? Mum looks around. Dad points at me. Your face. All I see are blaring teeth and their inky, sinuous outlines. Jesus, Dad. They're both laughing now, and I feign amusement for them with wide eyes. Dad can't speak for laughing, but Mum turns to me and says, These blue joke sweets, you know the ones. So old school, I know. Later. When I take my bag through to my old bedroom, I shut myself in. I stand and breathe in dust, as though breathing will keep me upright, and braced, steadied or returned to any equilibrium. I sway as I feel myself torn between instincts to cry, to harden myself, to make my excuses and flee. But I'm still here. I can't return to myself outside of this house. Somewhere off the bus route that brought me out here, I think she's half submerged. Sticking out from the roadside, waiting for me to haul her out. Leaves gathering around her neck from gusts of passing traffic. I stare through the posters on the wall and the drawings of animals and film tickets held up with blue tack, corners stained yellow. I stare through them and see myself sinking. I feel myself migrate towards my core. Something solid, a bolus, the density of it pulling me in. I shrink towards it. I make myself as small as possible. Then the sun has gone down and I'm called to dinner. When they argue about the plates, when dad makes comments under his breath, tuts, sighs, and when mum gives up, their behaviour is so unmoderated that I can't be sure I'm really even here. Not used to guests, I think. I'm not sure if they are speaking to me or speaking to themselves. Until I remember, it doesn't matter. There is a competition in who can make me meet their eye. Which one of my parents can get me to share in a moment of exasperation? Mostly, I am quiet. Chewing on chips. But sometimes I play along. Something coded in me. Part of the survival instinct to be allied with someone against something else. Playing in the tension, playing scenes out in my head to see if I can predict what might happen in the split seconds before something changes. What could that mean? That grunt of uncertain agreement. Passive-aggressive? Probably. When Dad looks down at his plate, look at Mum. Then I stare at the glowing quiz show host on the BBC, at the neon halo behind his head, the trail of flashing red beads along the contestants' high heels. Watch them pulsate from one side of the screen to the other, the same way every time. I slip on my spare pair of socks and go to get a can of Coke, sidestepping sacks of birdseed in the garage split open like bags of crisps. There is a faintly sweet smell from the compostable carrier half full of cold tea bags. As I grab a can from the cardboard six-pack, I see the wine bottles stored behind it. I can't see how far back they go. The cold seeps through to the balls of my feet, 
moves like an icy breath upwards. It grounds me. I've outgrown this. I stand for so long, the tiny bones of my feet feel as if they could shatter. But sudden strange sounds from outside the back door make me retreat to the warmth of the house. I sit on my single bed and sip from my can watching YouTube videos through my headphones. I text my friend and she texts me back the number of hours until tomorrow's bus takes me back to another postcode. I browse shirts and dresses on three different websites, finish my drink and reply to screenshots posted in the group chat. I plug things in to charge overnight, straighten out the duvet. It's not quite feeling like a guest or like home. I poke through a drawer of old DVDs and notebooks find myself flipping through teenage thoughts. I think two versions of me are here. One still a seed, ungerminated, raw and unsplit, stuck inside me like a husk caught in my throat, or stunted and hiding somewhere along my spine like a secret twin. Yes, more like that. The other is the teenager in the Fight Club poster above my bed and these notebook pages pouring bottles of alcohol down the sink when no one is home to send messages that couldn't be spoken. I skim through her attempts to mould herself into someone she wanted to be. She is something so malleable that it makes sense now why she would lose track of herself how parts might just fall off. Three versions of me are here. I have to correct myself. And I message my final goodnights and dim the light, but can't bring myself to turn it all the way off. I've been stitching ghost stories again, embellishing something that is just natural and has always been done. Children changing into adults. I try to find and roll the edges of the duvet around my legs to keep out the cold air, fold myself up like a sleeping fawn. Eventually I sleep, thinking in half-consciousness that children are two-dimensional, cartoons, and that it is a freakish and impossible transformation, turning into a complex organism. Maybe my stomach hurts now because for years I have no digestive system at all, I had to feel my organs grow. It feels all wrong. Then I am sleeping and dreaming of my dad's greenhouse. The tomatoes in summer, the smell of them suffocating, red and round like tomatoes, but not tomatoes. Red like acne, full of blood and itching to burst. I wake and there is crying. Someone has had a nightmare. Maybe it was me. I am fully in my duvet cocoon and sweating. I get up and there is heavy rain. I hear my mum's voice cutting through the sound of it distant somewhere. I head up and towards the bedroom door out into the hallway. A 
glow in the kitchen from a weak solar light in the garden and the moon thin and battered through the falling rain. The door in the kitchen leading to the garage hangs open and I hear raised voices, panic. I stumble on and see through the window a giant shape in shadow, a fallen tree. And where is mum? Mum! I shout. My dad shouts my name behind me, but I'm already moving fast. Down the cement stairs and through the back door. The grass ripens with mud in the middle of the garden where a tall, wide thing stands like a scarecrow, wailing. My mum is so small before it in her housecoat and bare legs, and I am stuck like an arrow just landed. A huge face turning towards me, wet and shining like a big greasy glob of skin, mouth open. Sometimes, worse than meeting the animal stare of a stranger is exact and inexplicable familiarity. She is huge, enlarged, swollen. This unnatural, impossible evolution. The soil at her thick feet crumbling away like sodden cake. I can feel it too, through soaked socks. The rain hitting the earth feels like simmering, sizzling between my toes like sherbet. We stare at one another and I cannot move. The sound of the rain and the voices fall away and I only hear her screaming at me. My nerves are cut like weeds. Her shoulders wide and arching, inhaling, still howling. I see the inside of her mouth large and gaping and glittering and she gargles. I'm aware of my dad trying to pull me away, my mum gesturing to him hurriedly, her attempts to console this enormous child. I'm aware of the glint of broken glass by the greenhouse, that too much time has passed for old things to grow again or to be nurtured. Feeling my parents jostle me and knowing we have all outgrown things, Get inside, get inside, but I am too repulsed now by what I see, too ashamed to look my parents in the eyes, knowing that I wanted to be taken care of, or taken care of now in a way that makes up for everything. The strangeness of nature. That supposes the survival of little things is reliant on their silence, and the hauntings we make by that neglect and the screams we share with ourselves in the garden, sinking together. Homebody was inspired by thinking about growing up and leaving home and leaving behind bits of yourself and parts of ourselves and different versions of ourselves that exist maybe even against our will. I think there's a lot about survival instinct in the story and those the, the competition between those fight and flight and shutdown responses to, to trauma, essentially. I've been thinking a lot as well, as I always do, about the inner child and the inner child's needs not being met over and over and over again and how the just exacerbates a bad situation of repression and 
I also just really love haunted houses and I wanted to write something very haunted for the Persistent and Nasty podcast. If you're enjoying our spooky season series, you can support us by shouting about us on social media, uh, liking, downloading, reviewing, subscribing to the podcast so that you don't miss a single episode. It really does make a huge difference. And as I say, if you support the work that we do and you feel that you can financially help us at this time, we would be extremely grateful. And you can become a persistent pal or a nasty hero or just donate the price of a cup of tea or coffee to us. Um, and the links for that are in the show notes of today's episode. And as I said um, previously, we have had very generous donations from people to sponsor our coffee mornings which is incredible and if you would like to do that you can stay anonymous or we can absolutely shout about you from the rooftops so please feel free to get in touch and you can do that by emailing us at persistentandnasty at gmail.com and to those of you who already do support us financially a million thank yous you keep us going you keep the advocacy work going you keep the podcast going you keep the coffee mornings going and we are forever grateful to all of you if you can't financially support us at the moment we completely understand um but you can help us in many other ways and one of those ways is by following us on social media sharing about us on social media and just generally being our cheerleaders and you can do that by following us on twitter at persistent nasty instagram at persistent and nasty facebook persistent and nasty you can also follow us on TikTok, which is Persistent and Nasty. And you can check out the website www.persistentandnasty.co.uk where you can read some of the incredible blogs that have been written for us by amazing artists. And you can also send us a blog to publish on the website. Please do send us some spooky stories. I'd love to read them. And you can follow Louise and I on social media. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and at Elaine.Stirrett on Instagram. Today's episode was written by Rowan Hege and performed by Amelia Donker. <laughs>